neat thing about homeless court is the fact that nobody's placed in custody. Everyone leaves happy. And we like to call it the court of second chances because in essence, that's what we're doing. We're giving individuals an opportunity to leave with no open cases and all their criminal uh, matters resolved. So they, they do have a second chance. Hello, and welcome to the Mass Bar Beat, the podcast of the Massachusetts Bar Association. You've just heard Boston Municipal Court Judge Kathleen Coffey talk a little about homeless court, one of four innovative specialty courts in Massachusetts, along with mental health court, veterans court, and drug court. I'm Sam Siegel. And I'm Tori Santoro. And on this episode of the Mass Bar Beat, we're going to look at how homeless court is helping homeless individuals in the Commonwealth get a new start. We'll talk with Judge Coffey, who founded Homeless Court and still serves as its presiding justice. And we'll also hear from Elizabeth Condren from the Pine Street Inn, a homeless shelter in Boston that hosts Judge Coffey's Homeless Court session. Later on in this episode, you'll also hear the amazing stories shared by some of the participants during our recent visit to Homeless Court and some reflections on the importance of this Court of Second Chances from Mass Bar Association President Jeffrey Catalano. But first, we'll share what Judge Coffey told us about how Homeless Court came to be and how it works. So tell us, how did Homeless Court form? I give full credit to a a good friend. He passed away, Judge Richardson, Mo Richardson. We started Homeless Court in 2010, so this was a good eight years ago. And he observed a Homeless Court session in San Diego at a um, military base, and he brought the idea back to Massachusetts. Initially, um, Homeless Court was held at the Shattuck Hospital because that was within West Roxbury jurisdiction, but now we've been allowed to grow, and then we grew to cover the entire city, and now we can address open defaults throughout the Commonwealth, which is really important, that's huge. The way it works is this. It's not real complicated, and that's the amazing thing. It's probably why it works so well, because it's not real complicated. Um, That folks who are working with a social worker, either at the Pine Street or Rosie's Place or St. Francis or Southampton Shelter or Woods Mullen, one of the recognized shelters, individuals who are working with social workers and are addressing the reasons that cause them to become involved in the criminal justice system, that being mental health issues, usually it's substance abuse or job training, their social worker will write what is called a letter of advocacy, which in essence outlines the efforts that they are taking um, and their accomplishments to date they in turn will um, become connected with the CPCS lawyers, the um, Committee for Public Counsel, and um, their quarries will be run. People who have default warrants for misdemeanors and low-level felonies are eligible to participate in homeless court. When I say a low-level felony, an assault and battery, dangerous weapon, to wit, a shot foot, Mm. or assault and battery, dangerous weapon, um, to wit, um, a car door, or something in which there's no real serious injury, resisting arrest, I mean, 
those time type of cases. So what happens is that if an individual does have an open warrant, and you can have two kinds, you can have one for an untried case, and then you can have a probation warrant, the CPCS attorney meets with the representative from the uh, district attorney's office, and they review the open matter to see if the DA wants to prosecute or whether the DA would um, be willing to dismiss it, recognizing the efforts the person has accomplished or or has uh, exercised or shown, demonstrated is probably the best word, in addressing that underlying problem. So that type of case would be eligible. And then um, the other is when there is a probation warrant and the probation officer assigned to homeless court, David Giacalone, would reach out to the probation officer um, for that particular case and pretty much advocate on behalf of the homeless individual. So what ends up happening a lot is, let's say if someone's on default on a probation matter for drugs, they haven't been reporting, they haven't been providing urines, but they've just completed, let's say, the men's stabilization program at the Shattuck Hospital, or they've just completed a um, detox, or they're in residential treatment, that would satisfy the requirements for probation. So then probation could be terminated, the default removed, probation terminated, and a person discharged. As we've just heard, Homeless Court provides an opportunity for certain individuals to remove some of the barriers to housing caused by minor criminal infractions that remain on their records. The Pine Street Inn's Elizabeth Condren, who oversees Homeless Court and coordinates referrals to the court from shelters, explained to us how these roadblocks can seriously hinder a person's attempt to get back on their feet and what Judge Coffey and Homeless Court are doing to help. So in terms of barriers to folks in Pine Street Inn who are looking to get permanent housing, looking to get back on their feet. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also a lot of people wouldn't know that things like negligent operation or leaving the scene of property damage, which are not violent right. crimes, are real barriers to getting somebody back in the workforce or yeah. back in housing. Mm-hmm. And is that what you see every day? Yeah, so quarries are huge issues. So one of the biggest barriers we see in it is housing, right? So that's what we're trying to do here at Pine Street is to get people out of emergency shelter and into housing. The barriers to that, um, you know, below housing could be employment, right? So if I had a negligent operation and it was out of Worcester District Court, let's say, and I went once the warrant issued and I've been staying at Pine Street all along, if I go and apply for housing, that warrant's going to show up. So I'm not going to be able to get housing. I'm also not going to be able to get any of my benefits. So if I qualify for any sort of welfare, any sort of SSI, SSDI, that warrant's going to pop up. I'm not going to be able to get that service. Also, if I go to apply for some jobs, but not all, but some that are quarry sensitive, I'm not going to be able to gain employment either. So there's the legal barrier is a big one um, for many of our folks in all different areas. We see it a lot in Pine Street because we are such a housing-focused agency that we see it a lot in housing. By the time they get to that top of the BHA list and they're going to get screened for housing and then the warrant pops up, that's where a lot of the referrals come. We're working very diligently to get 
um, as a model at Pine Street in triage. It's, it's really a focus for us right now. And to get homeless court started in the triage session, as opposed to by the time you've gotten to the top of the Boston Housing Authority list and the warrant pops up. So I'm working very closely with our shelter providers to make sure that we get them referrals earlier. Um, and that's a whole new system for Pine, the triage and so forth. It's Judge Coffey who's running the courtroom, mm-hmm. and she was incredible all through this morning. Um, do you have anything you want to add about her and her influence on this whole process? Oh, she's it. She's the court. I mean, we call it homeless court. It should be called coffee court. I mean, she, she is. She's the one. Um, it, this is her baby. She came up with it. Um, it's based on a model in San Diego, um, and it's always been her sort of spearheading it. Um, we are... Um, receive funding graciously from the Mass Bar Association. So that's going to help us sort of track some data going forward so we can sort of show you get the feel good, which you all witnessed today in court, but then sort of what is recidivism, what kind of tracking that a bit more for sustainability reasons. Um, but she's she's the go behind. She, um, you can't help but feel her compassion. And she's a true cheerleader. You know, I think if each of us could just have a small portion of her, um, we'd all be better off, particularly in the criminal justice system. I think it's always seen as so punitive and she's just so warm. Homeless court is truly unlike any regular court session you might imagine. And it's not only because it is run out of a homeless shelter. We asked Judge Coffey to talk about her court and some of its unique features. I thought it might be, um great for listeners to hear about how you run your courtroom because it is different than being in a regular courtroom for us as litigators you know the way a courtroom is normally set up can be intimidating to the average person especially to a homeless person who's facing you know trouble with open warrants so in traditional court i think the 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 point that i'd really like to impress upon your listeners and is that when you're in a district court or a municipal court, as I am in the Boston Municipal Court Department, you're seeing scores of people every day. So the volume is mind-boggling. It is the norm to have standing room only. And it is not unusual to have long lists of cases. So there is this pressure, there's this underlying built-in pressure to move the business, to move cases along. Nobody likes to wait. The lawyers don't want to wait. The litigants don't want to wait. The witnesses, the pro. So there's this um, inherent pressure to move things. You have to move things. Case management, they call it. One of the major downsides of that is that there's a risk of dehumanizing the defendant because you don't as a judge you don't have the time to hear their life story and you don't have the time to validate their successes or even learn of their successes your your focus is just on the case at hand you can't get the overall landscape of a person's life homeless court is very different in that there are um, the numbers are much much lower And the whole focus is in validating an individual's efforts to redeem themselves, to address the demons that led 
or not necessarily led, but certainly contributed to their state of homelessness. So it's a totally different dynamic. And I think that that's one of the, one of the reasons why it's so successful is that the people who are before the court, they feel they, we validate them, not just me, but the attorneys, the audience that are there, the participants that are there. So people leave with a sense of hope and a sense of validation and um, their efforts have been recognized. And for an individual who is homeless, that's a very unusual experience. So the warrant's gonna be removed. You're no longer on probation uh, warrant status and your case is dismissed. All right. Uh, we wish you the very best. One of the most striking things I found about the court session was at the end of each case that was brought before you, uh, you called for a round of applause for the person. So talk about that if you could. That's, that's really wonderful. Um, and I do it not just for them, but like for everybody in the room. But one of the advantages of being a judge is that I'm seeing people in a different way than everybody else in the courtroom. And to have that round of applause, it doesn't cost anything, it doesn't take a lot of time, but to see the effect that it has on the person is just, it is their gift to me. Because you just see them, it, it's almost like, the, you know, I'm convinced all of us are really little children just in growing up clothes. <laughs> but to see that that um, ease and that that look of of being of of belonging and an acceptance, it's just truly wonderful. So I do it for them, but on a certain first truth be told, I also do it for myself because it's great to see that little child emerge and to be able to offer some hope. And I, I keep using the word validation, but it's true. I mean, that's what I think Homeless Court does. We validate a person's worth, their, their dignity, and their sense of identity. Elizabeth Condren, who has worked at Pine Street Inn for almost a decade, also shared some of her observations. I think every session presents a different emotion. And by that, I mean there's always the, the empathy, right? It's hard not to be empathetic when you hear people's stories. Um, and I think for me, working here for nearly eight years, um, you often assume what someone's story is, but you don't necessarily know. And when you hear the raw reality of what their lives have been like or what they currently are, um, I think that part for me is very um, emotional. Because I think when you get in this work for a while, you become sort of hardened to that. I also think it come it can come across as frustrating at times because you want to make decisions, you want cases closed, and they're not closed timely enough, um, and that can be frustrating. And part of that is growth. You know, we've grown really quickly, and not everyone knows about us. Similar to your question before, so I think for me, th those are the two sort of juxtapositions that are, are hard. Um, we have a lot of visitors to the court, like yourselves, um, and other folks that have never seen the court before and are so overcome with emotion by it um, because it isn't regular court. I worked um, in the Worcester District Attorney's Office for nearly four years. 
and I know what normal court is like, and that's not what it is. You know, so, so I, I do have that background of what it looks like. And so it's, it is very warming. It's very warming. During our visit to homeless court, we heard several inspirational stories, and we were fortunate to have the opportunity to speak with two homeless court participants about their stories after their cases were heard. First, we talked to Bradford, a retired 61-year-old construction manager and Vietnam-era veteran with mental health issues who fell on hard times and ultimately lost his home after his wife died three years ago. Still living in veterans' transitional housing, Bradford came to homeless court only a week after suffering another tragedy, the death of his daughter, who was killed by a drunk driver. Bradford told us how he found himself in homeless court, a story which began with an outstanding probation violation due to a long-ago motor vehicle infraction. Nobody's fault but my own. You know, I, I didn't follow through. What do you mean you didn't follow through? Pay the fine, you know, talk to my probation officer. You know, like I said, my mind just wasn't right. It really wasn't. And it's still not right, even right now, but it's better. So you were in court today with uh, Judge Coffey in the homeless court. Um, what happened uh, in the courtroom today for you? Um, my lawyer explained my situation, my lifestyle, and some of the things that have gone in in my life. And uh, then I spoke and basically said the same thing. I told my story. And they found it in their heart to give me another chance and say, you know, we're going to dismiss everything. So what's next for you now that the charges have been dismissed? I can actively seek housing and have my quarry check run and it's going to come up clean. You know, which is going to be a big thing right now. I mean, that's what was holding me back before. You know, I had two beautiful apartments, beautiful apartments, but my quarry check came back and I had a warrant. So. So your plan for the future now is to seek permanent housing? Exactly. And uh, my veterans advocate, they're trying to get me into some veterans places. You know. And uh, just putting in the applications, doing the footwork, getting out there and doing it. And uh, don't question why, just do it. You, you said something pretty profound, I thought, inside the courtroom. You said that you don't have bad days, you, you say you have bad moments. Well, my motto is, is I don't have bad days, I have bad moments, and I can live through those. I like that. You know, and I try to keep it real simple. You know, and that's all I can do today. I feel as though, you know, if something goes wrong in your life one day, why let it carry the whole day and ruin your day? You know, when you sit there and say, okay, I'm going to deal with this like I deal with everything else a little bit at a time. You know, don't take big chunks because a big chunk is harder to swallow. Take little chunks and life seems to go easier. You know, and if you think like that, you know, and keep a positive outlook, you know, 
things work out. You just have to you know, want them to. We also spoke with Sandra, a 54-year-old grandmother who lost her home a year and a half ago and was living in a shelter. Sandra had been unable to get public housing because of an outstanding warrant from a 12-year-old car accident, a warrant she says she didn't even know existed until her housing was denied. And so you never went to court over that? Nope. And the first time you found out about this warrant was when you were That's trying to yeah, secure for housing. your housing. For housing, yes. Okay. Um, and so, can you tell us what happened today with Judge Coffee? It's squashed. Yay! <laughs> I received a response from uh, First Justice Catherine Hand, who wanted to extend her congratulations to you for the excellent work that you're doing, and they wish you the very best and they have no desire to pursue this prosecution. Yay! <laughs> so what that means is that the default was previously removed, but now the case can be dismissed. So we all wish you the very best. Just make fun of It's the end. I don't have to come back here. I'll come back to see Elizabeth, though. But I don't have to come back here. Um, yes, it, but it, it's it's really worrisome, you know. When you know it, you know you're trying to apply for housing. You know, if you got a quarry on you, you can't get nowhere. You can't move anywhere with a quarry on your on your back, you know. Mm. And I'm like, my goodness, I'm 54 years old. Why am I going through this now? You know, the only thing I want to do is try to look for housing. Okay, if a studio, one bedroom, just I just want to go home. You just want to have a home. I just want to go home. That's it. I want to cook my own food. I'm tired of chicken. <laughs> you know, I want some steak. I want some red meat. I want a burger. Mm. You know, a cheeseburger. You know, medium rare. You know. Now, how did you find out about this homeless court that's run? From Women's Lunch, actually. What's Women's Lunch? Women's Lunch Place. It's 67 Newberry Street. It's a day shelter for women to go to. It's open Monday through Saturday from 7 to 2. You know, and they have housing advocacy. They have clothes. You know, you can shower. You eat all day long when you want to, you know. What you could take on, sign up to do laundry, you know. So they pointed me out to homeless court. So they sent you here, mm -hmm. and now today your charge has been dismissed. Yeah. And why don't you tell us a little bit about your plans for the future? I'm going to Boston Housing to get my name back on the list. That's what I'm going to do today. Okay, and this changes things for you. Oh yes, very much so. Okay, you seem really happy. Oh yes. <laughs> Mass Bar Association President Jeffrey Catalano saw firsthand the difficulties faced by homeless individuals about 25 years ago when he worked a few shifts at the Pine Street Inn after graduating from college. But he said it wasn't until he attended a homeless court session last summer that he learned the full extent of their stories and witnessed the transformative power of having obstacles removed from their past. That session proved to be memorable not just for Catalano, but for Judge Coffey as well. Do you have any favorite anecdotes or lessons or stories that you can share with us? Well, of course, the best one was the <laughs> one that Jeff Catalano attended where um, an, a woman was before the court and she had an old case and she had a minimal record and the letter of advocacy that the social worker had um, presented to the court 
outlined the fact that she was taking voice lessons at the New England's Conservatory of Music, which is pretty amazing. Plus it was very um, heartwarming because she was, I won't say she was an older woman because she was younger than me, but, but she was a woman in her, I'd say probably late 40s, and she came to court in a dress. And when you think how difficult that must have been for her as a homeless person to find an appropriate article of clothing and to actually wear a dress to court, that to me spoke volumes in terms of her um, efforts and and her eagerness to um, address these open cases. Um, so anyway, to make a long story even longer, I noticed um, in the letter of advocacy this, this um, achievement of hers, and so I invited her. I said, now I'm going to ask you to do something, but I don't want you to feel pressured. Would you sing a song for us? When you walk through a storm, hold your head I was shocked. This was something I had not expected uh, when I went to visit Homeless Court. She then proceeded to sing this beautiful song from Carousel called You'll Never Walk Alone. It was amazingly moving. Everybody there was choked up and certainly felt the power of that moment. I then asked her subsequently if she would be willing to sing at uh, the MBA presidential reception, uh, which is before a large audience of distinguished judges and, and attorneys. And I was truly honored that she agreed to do so. And then at the, at the reception, she gave me a quote uh, that she asked me to read before she sang. She said that it was a godsend that Homeless Court allows me to have a second chance and move forward. It is overwhelming to put into words how much having my criminal case closed will enable me to now walk in an area of my life that I have not been able to walk in before. I'm going to be self-sufficient and my years ahead are bright. The doors are open. She then sang that same beautiful song from Carousel. And what I came to realize is that through her voice, she literally and figuratively sang the praises of Homeless Court. And that experience allowed for so many people to know how special Homeless Court is and undoubtedly left a lasting impression on everyone who was there. I was very thankful that she came and so happy that we were able to demonstrate how transformative the homeless court is to so many people. look at homeless court as a whole that's what we're trying to do so it's the Sandra and Bradford's of the entire commonwealth um, that need, people need to know more of and again that's just one of four courts that really the, the, the commonwealth is looking to go in the way of specialty courts. It's a complicated situation I mean but I think a homeless court it doesn't offer a complete solution but it certainly offers hope 
and a different effective way of looking at um, this growing population. We hope you've enjoyed learning about the homeless court in Massachusetts and the incredible ways this unique corner of the legal system is working to better the lives of the less fortunate in the Commonwealth. We thank Bradford and Sandra for sharing their stories with us, and we are deeply grateful to Judge Coffey, Elizabeth Condren, and everyone involved at Pine Street Inn and the Homeless Court, not only for their inspiring work, but also for making our visits so memorable. To learn more about Homeless Court, you can visit the Court's website at mass.gov or the Pine Street Inn's website at pinestreetinn.org. Until next time, I'm Sam Siegel. And I'm Tori Santoro. On behalf of the Massachusetts Bar Association, thank you for listening to this episode of the Mass Bar Beat.